Hey friends, Ashton Gustafson here and welcome back to another episode of Good, True and Beautiful. I am very excited today to have a new voice joining us. Um, I'll be honest, my introduction to him is probably not where most people first found Kevin Kelly. Uh, I found him in the vein of wisdom, if you will. But if you do, if you double click on Kevin Kelly and get to know him, uh, you know that uh, he has been maybe the voice of technology for the last few decades, uh, from co-founding Wired Magazine to a number of books he's written in that field. But the book that got me, the, the, the thread that really got me plugged into his work in the world is this latest book called Excellent Advice for Living Wisdom I Wish I'd Known Earlier. And so with that being said, it's a joy and an honor to introduce Kevin Kelly to the Good, True, and Beautiful community here. Kevin, welcome. I'm um, really delighted. Thank you for taking time and um, inviting me to your little um, corner of the world. And I'm really eager to share with your audience anything that I could be helpful with. Yes, sir. Well, um, like I said, very grateful for your time and energy joining us today. I kind of fumbled through your bio. So when you introduce yourself and your work in the world, how? Do, where do you begin? Where do you typically start? Yeah, I, I see myself as a packager of ideas. Some of those ideas are other people's ideas. That's what kind of what a magazine is. We're we're just, um, I'm shepherding other people's ideas. I'm making them look good. Sometimes those ideas are my own ideas. Sometimes they're very visual. I do a piece of art a day. So I like the idea. I like to learn. And then my book report <laughs> of my learning is my, is my thing. So I'm, I'm kind of, um, uh, I use, I use these things as an excuse to keep learning. And then I just make the book report about what I learned and, um, other people, I, um, sometimes other people are say things better than I do, so I package their 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 piece. And so, um, yeah, that's my thing is um, packager of ideas. Love it, love it. Now you mentioned a piece of art a day. Break yeah. that down a little bit. Are we talking photography, painting? What 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 mediums are you participating in? Yeah, so I kind of began uh, when I was in high school as a science nerd kid took all the math and science and everything doubling up but I also did all the art and I couldn't decide at the end of high school whether to go to art school or MIT hmm. and um I've always wanted to kind of bridge that and photography for me was the, the the bridge in the beginning of the science and the tech together in one thing when I was doing photography in the 60s uh, when I began you had to be a chemist it was it was you did right. the chemistry in the dark room you did the optics it was very very technical and i liked that um so i have been doing photography um for 50 years or more and i did several books one of them was with tashin about my photography in asia and i spent 50 years photographing in asia the disappearing cultures wow. and i've been posting some of those um one a day but I also paint and draw, and two years ago, I decided to get an iPad, an little app, and every day I drew a weird picture. <laughs> I, I was trying to surprise myself. That's what I try to do with my art, is I want to surprise myself, channel something that I didn't even know that I was thinking about. And that's what I would do with my art, is a, is a means of um, surprising myself. I love that. And then this year, every day, I've been posting some art made with AI. Okay. And that is also trying to surprise myself. It's a little bit, AI art is a little bit closer to photography 
it's it's um in the same it's, it's like the the ai is like the camera you're kind of trying to position it into this place that is promising and you're kind of moving it around and giving it different prompts and you're trying to get to do something and then it's then you click the shutter it's not, not quite right and you move it over there so it's 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 been a really incredible learning experience of working with ai to do a piece of art every day mm, i love that and I, I and i don't know much of the space but i do know so much of it is contingent on the prompt, right? That oh, yeah. that 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 is the that you got to get That's this prompt. Art. That's the art of it, right? It's like a magician. You got to yeah. do the spells. You got to say the spells, and you kind of sometimes they don't work, and you got to refine the spells. So you're kind of summing it. You're trying to summing this thing, and you're also moving through a space of of possibilities, looking for a good place to do it, to it. set up your tripod. I love it. Well, it's uh, it's very inspiring to see your curiosity carry on throughout the years. And and again, I know the, the, the masses have kind of come to know you in the technology space. Yeah, right. But this wisdom thread, um, this book that you just put out, it's basically, it's a book of Proverbs. These are Kevin Kelly yeah. Proverbs. It's a, it's exactly. a book of tweets you can read it in an hour. You can listen to it. I've probably listened to it three or four times. I'm very curious as to when, where, or how this this pursuit of wisdom found you. Yeah. Was right, it right. spending time uh, overseas? Has it naturally always been within you? When when did you? Because I love that you're in both worlds, right? You're in this very yeah. like coding technology. Uh, uh, prompting world of AI, but then you're you're also like swimming in the deep, deep well of wisdom. Yeah. So my hero in high school was Henry David Thoreau. Yeah. And um, the idea, and so I, I was always attracted to people who were wise rather than rich. Wisdom was much more attractive to me than riches, and so um, and so I, I've read them and uh, the you know the and and the bible was very very important in, in the wisdom and the proverbs and the idea of being able to reduce things to just something that is a proverb that you could repeat to yourself was something that i kind of was attracted to and i would write down little proverbs that i liked as a reminder to me to try and change my behavior in that direction. I like the way of being able to telegraphically convey something that was really big and powerful into a tweet, even though that was before tweets were but into a <laughs> quote. And so I've been collecting these for a while of other people. And then I, I, I started to realize that um, I was learning things as I got older that I hadn't heard. And so I started to make my own and um I realized at some point that, you know, I wish I'd known these things earlier. And then that got me thinking, well, I have kids and maybe they should hear these while they were young. I have young adult kids that are young adults. And so, okay, so I'm going to write some things of my own for them that I think I wished I'd known when I was their age. And I launched that on my birthday and I like the idea of the Hobbit birthday where you give presents on your birthday rather than get them and so um so so it was a natural i guess you know kind of a hobby yeah where 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 i i was very attracted to wisdom i've uh, the people that i like to hang out with i would say are wise hmm. rather than rich 
And um, that kind of um, telegraphing of that wisdom into a little thing is something that suits my style of writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Burst, burst of insight, little tidbits that if you really do let them do their work, they change the trajectory of your life. Right. So I called this, uh, originally it was subtitled Seeds of Contemplation. It was this idea that you would see that you would unpack and contemplate and make real to you. The publishers didn't go with that, but that was... Very Thomas Merton-esque. It is. (laughs) It is a total ripoff of Merton. (laughs) And Merton is just, you know, he's he's, um, Thomas Merton, for those who don't know, was a monk who was a tr- tremendous writer, mm-hmm. very insightful. And although he was very orth- orthodox in his dogma, he also was very interested in other religions yep. and um, died prematurely. But he did do a book called um, New Seeds of Contemplation. I, I think it was the yep. title. Yeah. Thought I'd heard that before. I think it's on my bookshelf. <laughs> yeah. So you you say, hey, I'm going to start putting this thing down, these things down. I want to hand them off to my kids was this one burst, one birthday, here you go, here's 400 of yeah, proverbs yeah, no. from your dad, or how did this kind of No, no, it was, come... it was I, I did, on my 68th birthday, I did 68, which I gave to my kids, but then I also, to my extended family, I have lots of um, nieces and nephews, and um, I posted it, and that went viral, and then I was encouraged to say, well, I'll do another year, when I'm 7, 69, I did another bunch and they did several other years on my birthday. Once I got going, I realized I had more to say. And then it got to the point where there were floating around too many on the internet. So we decided to put them together into a book. And the purpose of the book was to have a book that I could give to my kids. That was it. It was like, I love it. that's enough just to have them and, and my nieces and nephews. And so um, the origin Again, is it was not a book I ever intended to do. It was something that came up very, very quickly when we realized that people enjoyed them other than my family. And um, I've heard from some parents saying, you know, my kids, if I said that they're not going to listen to, but they might listen to you, <laughs> so I'll give this book to them. And they're, they'll, and that's probably true. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what is it? No one's a prophet in their hometown, something like that. Exactly. Yeah. In their home. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So um before we dive in, and I really just want to riff back and forth, you and I, on on some of these. I would love um, to. But before we do that, I, I'm always curious about how you note collect, how you how you synthesize all of the things that you experience and then find a way to create it, produce it, create the proverb. Are these sticky notes that go in your pocket is, oh, I see. is this uh I, i'm always just curious as to how when people create how do they keep track and take notes and, and spy yeah. what's going on in their experience yeah it's different for different projects this particular project lives was born and lives in notes on my computer Right on, just, just simple text font on the computer. Just, just a thing called advice. I just open up <laughs> that. And so I throw everything in it. I rewrite in it. I move things around. It was exported out to make a book. So it's a note file, I guess that's what they call 
called advice. That's it. And I love it. I always love how that. simple it is. It's like, well, uh, there's, there's a file now called I, advice. <laughs> I wish all things were that simple that I did, but, but, um, um, this book was somewhat inspired by my friend, Stephen Levy, one of the veteran writers at Wired, who's written a lot of books. And he noticed that there was an inverse proportion to the, the length of the book and the sales. Hmm. The shorter the book, the more the book sold. So I was, I've been, I make most of my books are way too big and overwhelming. They're just, they're just huge. And so I was really committed to try and make out short book this yeah. time just really thing which is true and it's probably going to be the bestseller so wow. um so 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 this was simple most of the things i do are not that simple mm-hmm. a um the asia book 50 years of photographing in asia that started off as slides um trays and trays of slides and then i went to prints with negatives then i went to digital and it had all the things scanned and they it lives in Lightroom, uh, Adobe Lightroom. And then, you know, at some point I exported and then moved and everything lived on InDesign. It was, you know, it was a 50 year project. So that's a Amazing. very complicated workflow. Amazing. I love that. That gives me, gives me hope for this project here. Let's go 50, 60 years. Let's just keep doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. There's such a benefit in, um, What's the word I want? Consistency. In consistency, repeating, doing again. So, 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 so I, I really believe in the value of quantity when you're trying to do something creative. Yeah, that's good. You have to do a lot of it. You have to, and 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 the thing about it, doing it on a regular basis on a lot, is that um, it gives you the permission to really throw out anything, but. It's really great because you know, in a deep level, that there's more tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I, it's okay. I can throw all that out because I'm not going to run out. Tomorrow there'll be even more. I'll just again and again. So that habit of just producing lots and lots is that sure I'll throw it out. That's okay because I'm used to just producing a lot of this stuff, and you can only get to the great stuff by really producing a lot of mediocre stuff, <laughs> maybe even bad stuff, and that's true yeah. for. Anybody from Picasso? I mean, Picasso, a lot of his stuff is just crap. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, yeah, no, it's just nothing. You wouldn't pay any attention to it. But he needed to do like, like any artist to get to the really great stuff. Yeah, yeah, well said. Um, there, there comes your emergence of radical optimism. That's another, right. that was another thing I wanted to hit on in your bio, is that in, in the midst of your thesis on technology and writing over the years, you always had this beautiful optimism looking yep. into the future. Do you think, do you think that wisdom pursuit helped fuel that optimism? I think I do. I think I did in, in part because part of my optimism comes from taking a longer view, the kind yeah, of elevated yeah, yeah. view. And that's part, I think that's one of my definitions of wisdom is Understanding that there's a bigger dimension, there's a there's a uh, that it's a bigger story yeah. than it looks, yeah. and focusing on that bigger story and that longer range view, that 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 kind of the big here, the long now, the the long term, and so wisdom has built into that that elevated view, and I think 
the elevated view is what enables, makes it easier to be optimistic mm-hmm. when you have a long view of history and you understand the progress is real. And if you take a longer view of the future, it allows you to be optimistic because you understand that um, even fairly large setbacks will be overcome over the long term. And so, um, so yes, I think there is a connection between looking at the world, a, a, adopting the perspective, the wisdom of, of, of a bigger view, yeah. of the overview. They talk about the overview effect when you go into space where you see that the planet is actually quite small and, and delicate, that um, that gives you a sense of optimism. Yeah, well said. Um, and I even in reading your bio, you're the co-chair of the Long Now Foundation. I'm like... Kevin Kelly is my guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Long Now Foundation is a foundation that we're promoting, trying to make the long-term thinking uh, common mm-hmm. and 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 normal. Uh, and we like people to think about the in terms of generations, yeah. the civilizational scale thinking. It's like saying, "Yes, I'll I'll start working on something that may not be completed until long after I'm gone by other people." Or whose main benefits may not be for the present generation, but my the main benefits may be in the future generations. That's 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 wise. That's yeah. that's wisdom. Yeah. That's that that's taking and saying we are more than just our own lives. We're here and we can enjoy this now because of what previous generations have done that's and right. left for us. Yeah. Yep. And so we're not just individuals. Yeah. Well said. Um so it was very hard for me to pick a handful of these proverbs. I'm sure in all of your interviews, everybody said the same thing. Um, but why don't we just go back and forth here? I'll pitch it to you, and sure. I'd just love to hear you riff on it, if that's okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And, and, and before you start, one of the things, one of the delights to me has been, um, there's been almost no overlap between people's favorites. And that is just tickles me to no end that um because that was a surprise mm-hmm. i was thinking well they're all going to pick the same one nope yeah yeah well if we had more time we'd just go one by one we'd just get it <laughs> get going because i it was very tough but um and maybe maybe they are the season of life i'm in i'm sure that has something to do uh-huh. with some of these that, sure. that that register but um uh, first one that i highlighted was this prototype your life try stuff instead of making grand plans yeah Oh yeah, so I that is something I really that I was slow in 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 realizing, slow in coming to really appreciate and exercise, and that is, um, and it came. I think I might have had hints of it in terms of life in general, but but it came from actually being a maker, hmm. of making things all the time, and um, the more. The more complicated, complex, enduring the thing wanted to be, the more it was became obviously necessary that you make you approach it with of uh, incremental creation, incrementally making something with various levels of prototyping. Even this book that, that, that we're talking about, I made several different versions of it in uh, prototypes in mm-hmm. in in doing mock-ups of get to get the size to get the layout making little books that were brown bound books 
my my Vanishing Asia book. I made numbers of prototypes that I hand bound myself wow. just to get there. And um, when we did a remodel in our kitchen, we prototyped it in cardboard mm-hmm. using <laughs> refrigerator cardboards and mock-up in real scale. It tells you so much. And so um, that idea of coming to something through an incremental small improvements where you have lots of ways to start to steer and improve it as you go along. The folks at Pixar talk about the fact that every movie that they make starts off totally sucking. It's a, it's a (laughs) terrible, terrible movie and their job and their process is to unsuck it over time. (laughs) Okay. But, but that's sort of the natural home of everything that they begin with is that it sucks. And so this is this idea that you that you work with that. You, you're not trying to obliviate. You're saying, no, the way you work with it is that you incrementally improve something. And that's really the only way you can get to something. And that goes back to why people make lots of things, hmm. is that that's another way of you're just kind of, you're iterating in a certain yeah. sense. You're prototyping those other things as you get to something good. And that is also true of our lives. That's right. Where we can... If you thinking about becoming a lawyer, prototype that. Go to a lawyer, hang out with a lawyer, shadow a lawyer for a week, become an intern to see whether day-to-day luring is something you actually want to do. You know, um, try it, you know, uh, do something uh, where you're helping people as a paralegal, um, just to see, try it out first before you commit to four years going to school, all right? And so um, it's shocking the number of people who have a major graduate in four years, and then when they get to the day-to-day work of it, they realize, I don't really like this. (laughs) Well, you need to prototype where you're going to go. If you have an idea for a business, make one thing by hand, or make a hundred of them by hand first to see whether... It can really work whether anybody really wants it, whether it's even feasible before you try to automate it and all these other kinds of stuff. And so there is a sense in which I think um, iterating small steps is by far the wisest way to try and approach whatever you're going to do. Doesn't it also help you detach from the outcome? Um, yeah. you, you can kind of lose those expectations of, oh, well, I thought I was going to be a lawyer and I thought on year four, this would right. happen year eight. I think, right. um, just hearing you process that it, it's kind of the old Parker J Palmer adage. Don't ask your life what it wants you to do. Ask life what you want to do, whether something like that back and forth. I think this is one of those things where just start. I think that's what you're getting at is just start something, see where it goes, stay curious. And over time it will become what it wants to become. Yeah. You can just start, but there is a sense that you have to keep going. You, you, you iterate. uh, You're not going to have an answer on the first one. It's the iteration part that is so valuable. It's like the way you write a book is that you write a really crappy, terrible first draft. The first draft is terrible Always for mine. Anyway. <laughs> and, and so it's like, you understand that that's part of the process. You're not going to be discouraged by that. You're going to say, oh yeah, that's just, and, and, and we're not going to skip it. It's like, I'm not going to sit down and write the thing. And that the fact that I can't means that I, I'm incapable. No, no, no. 
writing a really terrible first draft is the process. Yeah. You kind of draft your way, you unsuck it as you go along. <laughs> and so you can see your life is that it's like, yeah, I'm going to unsuck my life until I get to this point. <laughs> But it's not a destination. That's another thing is that there is no destination. It's a direction. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, love that. Um, a great way to understand yourself is to seriously reflect on everything you yeah. find irritating in others. Yeah, yeah, because we are we are very complicated beings. And it's very, very likely that something irritates someone, that someone something you find irritating is because it's present in yourself yep. to some degree and in some form. And so um, it doesn't mean that you are like that person. It just means that this is an opportunity for you to come to the source of your irritation. And why is it that it irritates you? And so um, way back in the shadow, in the yes, deep in the psyche, exactly. it's there. Yeah. 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 Now this next one, right? Um, I I do feel like maybe th this one has uh, this one would be on your greatest hits if 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 that existed, um, but it really spoke to me and and I think across the board, my oh my, this is super helpful, especially as you begin a career, start on your path out of school, whatever that looks like. Um, don't be the best, be the only. Right. Yeah. That is, that is a really good one. And, and it is a very high bar. It is very ambitious to do. It, it's a lot to ask of someone who's young to understand what it is that they can do as an only. And so I would say, again, It'll take all your life to arrive there, but you, and you will never arrive there, but you you can engineer your life to head in that direction all the time. And there are let, there are a bunch of different things that you can do to try and head towards your onlyness. Um, and that one of the things I recommend is that when you're young to try and work on something where there's no name for what it is that you're doing. There's mm -hmm. no title, there's no career label, there's no language, you're much more likely to be able to kind of find that place where you're only, because by definition, it's going to be something where there's no label. That's right. So you want to get in that direction of doing things that takes a half an hour for you to explain to your parents what it is that you're actually doing. <laughs> and that's a good sign yeah. that you're, you're there. You're, I mean, that you're headed in the right direction. And so, um, yes, it's category of one, if, if you're if you can get into that area where you're the only then there's no competition you can kind of slow down you can take your time um it's but it's hard we are obscure to ourselves hmm. there's something weird about the human condition where we really don't have easy access to our own selves we don't know and that's why I think it takes a village to make you unique. The, the, the other paradox in the universe is that you cannot become unique by yourself. You it's not a solo project. On your own. It takes an entire village. It takes the whole world to make you unique. <laughs> like that's a paradox, right? It's it takes not a, a village to make a, you the only. 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thanks to yeah. your village to make you the only because you need other people around you to see where to help you see where you're going to help you see yourself because because we can't see ourselves by ourselves. So to understand ourselves and to understand our best, we actually need other people around friends, family, clients, audiences, you know, affiliates, colleagues, we need all those to help us see what's unique about us to help us become that uniqueness yeah. to help us become the only we need other people so so that's the paradox always you, right yeah yeah if there's there's not some paradox there it may not be true in the realm of wisdom i believe that there's a necessary paradox at the fundamental um base a root of reality yep yep I mean, if yep. you think about god or not god um it's just you know the origin of the universe is just it's just there's a paradox no matter what version you want of it it's just you know it's paradoxical it's self-created in some capacity and and that's just impossible <laughs> another thomas merton quote in everything there's a hidden wholeness yep yeah and a hidden wholeness is a paradox is that's what right. i would say bingo yep yes um i love it okay let's keep going um where's my next one here here it is. Uh, trust me, there is no quote unquote them. Yeah. So, 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 you know, someone who is not as privileged and fortunate as I would argue and say, well, there's definitely systematic prejudice. There is a them. And I would say, actually, there is systematic prejudice, but there's still no them. Right. It's, it's this, there's a system but the individuals, the people in it are not, you're them. They are, they're, they're us. And so, um, yes, there is systematic racism and there's no doubt about that. There's systematic prejudice, but there's still no them. The deeper I and, go and, into you, I can find myself. Yeah. And, 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 um, what we tend to, you know, to assign to um, malice is in, usually incompetence, hmm. right? I mean, it was like the whole idea of conspiracy theories and stuff. You know, I have this other idea of protopia, I mean, excuse me, a pronoia, which is this idea that the universe is conspiring to help you. So, 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 so conspiracies generally are not present because requires a competency <laughs> that they're just not is not in most bureaucracies or or other institutions and so the malice of systematic prejudice is not coming from the individuals it's it's a system mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's why it's so hard and hard and important to change and so very helpful in leadership positions However, we, you know, when you always have that, um, I, I feel like there's a, uh, something that all humans kind of have a big risk of is, is vilify, vilifying another, right? Or, or, sure. or, or scapegoating it or putting, putting the evil over on those people. Uh, but not, of course, not over here on this side of the fence. It would never right, be right. here. This is a very helpful mantra proverb. There is no them. Uh, right. I, I think it, I think it levels, it, it, it brings everything uh, just a, a, another holistic way to be, yeah. view the mm -hmm. world. Yes, it, it is. And um, 
it's sort of a practical thing. It's 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 that um, you are relieved of that of hatred of you're no longer the victim. If there's no them, you don't need a jersey to identify with. You don't need a side <laughs> to identify with. <laughs> you, you become yeah. a free man, free woman when you when you enter that space. I think so. Yeah, yeah. How about this next one? Loved this one. No is an acceptable answer, even without reason. Yes. Um, I would say if you have any success at all, you you suddenly are confronted with more opportunities than you might even have time for. And mm -hmm. so as you, as you become better at what you do, as you become more of the only, you actually have, um, you become better at saying no. And the thing about saying no is that um, you don't need to apologize to say no. You don't need an excuse. You can just say, no, I can't do it, or I'm sorry, whatever. It's 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 a very simple thing. And in, in some ways, the simpler, the more unadorned the no is, <laughs> the better. Yes. You don't yeah, have so, to back so, it up. You don't need, nothing needs to, to follow it. It, it can like, just be no. no. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I can't make it. I won't, you know, and um, I regret to not, but I can't make it. So that's it. I don't need to have give you a reason. I don't need to have a reason. It's, it's, it's simply no. And the thing about it is, is I find that people respect that. Hmm. They, 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 they don't necessarily need to have a long explanation of which maybe you're not, you're, you know, you're, you're tempting you to make something up. But no, you just simple as say, so I, so you're, you can be gracious about it. It doesn't mean that you have to be mean, but you can say no without an excuse and apology in a very graceful way. And you mentioned something just before you kind of went into your riff there was, yeah, the more you become the only, the more you're going to have to learn to say no. Oh, yeah. 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 That yeah. was kind of a, a little ruby on the side. <laughs> I, I call that there's there's tax there's a tax for every success. Wow. And you just have to be willing to pay the tax. That's a sign of success, is that you're willing to pay the tax for success. And and that could be money which you pay tax, and it could be demands on you. And so the tax, one of the tax for being successful and what you do is that you will have increasing demands. That's a tax, and you just have to be willing to pay that tax doesn't mean to you can say no yeah. but but that that demand is going to be there that's the tax yeah yeah off script here because this is not in my notes didn't you say read the read books of the famous people you don't want to be like them isn't, isn't that one of the proverbs yes you don't want fame 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 that's what it is fame. yeah yeah right 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 fame is yeah you do not want fame if you read the biography of any famous person you realize that fame is something you don't want to seek you may you may get it inadvertently, but that's another tax. But mm. do not seek it because it's it's well, as I said, any any biography will tell you the the pitfalls of, of fame. And I also these days, somewhat tongue in cheek, but but pretty seriously, also advise all your listeners to try very hard not to have a billion dollars. Yeah, don't you don't want a billion dollars. You don't want a billion dollars. <laughs> Absolutely not. For the same kind of reasons. Yeah. Um hundred million fine. 30 million, 50 million, fine, but you don't want a billion. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, and, and it's imprisoning, distorting, imprisoning, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's a cage. Yeah. It's a burden. Yeah. It's really, it. so, but that's, 
people when they're young don't really know that that's something that you get if you hang around with people who are famous or very very rich it's like mm, no that's not really what you want yeah 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 well said i thought i remembered that in there i was like he yeah. i think i saw that recently yeah right. um okay how about this one you don't need more time you need more focus mm -hmm. and that's because uh Jeff Bezos and I have been given exactly the same amount of time. That's right. 1,440 minutes. Billions and billions of dollars. He cannot buy a single more minute of time. And time is really the only thing you can, that you have, the only thing you can manage. Like if you're doing work, every, every great project from putting out an issue of the magazine to making a film, to writing a song is infinite. And it's, demands for the time that you could give it yeah i mean it could take an infinite amount of time so you can't manage by the work you can't manage the work the work is infinite you can only manage your time that you give to that you can say i have only this amount of time to give to that issue i have only this amount of time to give to that song at some point i you know we abandon it and so that idea of the most precious thing that we have is the time. And that's why I see myself. And even as a kid, um, time rich, hmm. I'm wealthy is time. Wealthy is, is a million times better than being cash wealthy. Well said. And so I have engineered my life to re to retain control over my time. And I have a countdown clock for the number of days. And so when I agree to do something like this, it's, I think this is like, this is the most valuable thing that I want to do. Hmm. This, this, this conversation is in the priority of things. I am deliberately choosing it. Yes, this is, if I die tomorrow, I'm still going to do this interview. <laughs> so you're honest about your capacity. You're honest yeah. about what you value. Right. I think that's huge. It's, and, and you get, you get some clarity on your capacity and you get honest about what you value. Focus always follows that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Focus is, focus means, yeah, it, it, you're saying no. Yeah. You're saying no to things. Yeah. And you, you cannot get anything done without saying no. So you have to get good at saying no. And at the same time, you have to get good at saying yes. It's this, yeah. like a, the paradox. You, it's sort of like, I think Derek Sivers talks about this kind of like, you want to say either like, hell yes or That's no. Right. It's like, you, 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 it has to be kind of a very deliberate choice. It's like, what you don't want is sort of like not deciding where you're just kind of caught by the, and you're drifting by other people's movie. You're in, you're in someone else's movie and you want to be in your own movie. <laughs> well said. I've always often said, yes, we'll make your life, but no, we'll save it. Yeah. You know, you know, kind of another. Right. It's, it's like, you know, it's like evolution. Like, you know, it's like evolution works a lot of by, by death, which is selecting, saying no, but you have to have this other generative mm. aspect. It's actually producing things that can then be selected <laughs> for. And so there's the paradox uh, again. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> um, how about this one? You are as big as the things that make you angry. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
Yeah. So outrage is, you know, Twitter is an outrage amplifier and outrage is all the thing. People like to get outraged, but um, and maybe they're kind of trying to show what makes them angry that they have big things. But um, I think you want to save your, your anger or outrage for, for the biggest things possible because I think there's a limited amount of actual outrage you can have. Yeah. 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 And it, and it, it's revealing, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If you get really upset over a server in a restaurant, it's like, come on. It's like <laughs> you're, you're wasting, you're squandering your, that's right. Your that's, right. that's right. Um, this one, and this goes back to consistency, which I think is, Maybe it's not necessarily a theme that you set out to write about, but man, I sure do get, there's a lot of that, the theme of consistency comes through in your writing. Um, it seems like something that you value. It says what you do on your bad days matters more than what you do on your good days. Right, right. I was having a discussion with someone about, I think there's a differences be, between um, contentment satisfaction and and happiness hmm. and i think happiness I, I i think if you can if you can raise if you can raise the quality of your bad days that's contentment and like if you raise the quality of your good days that's happiness there's there's sort of um that's and then often what we often what we really want is 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 really not happiness but contentment mm-hmm. that, that that actually is more um more meaningful in a certain sense yeah raise the quality of your bad days that's so good right, right. And, and in fact that, that that that's also what um what success or um what what people really want in in, in their lives is is you know to, to do away with the stuff that the, the drudgery the, mm-hmm. the things that they hate um and if you can get rid of those people do report much better satisfaction yeah. in their yeah. lives yeah so good so good even if they don't go to disneyland as often even if they don't have the 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 um dining at the michelin stars but if they can remove the bad stuff their lives are much, much, much more satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. Um, and then this last one here, uh, I, I loved the only productive way to answer, what should I do now is to first tackle the question of who should I become? Yeah. Yeah. And I have another bit of advice is don't work for someone you don't want to become. <laughs> this idea of becoming things is really, really central. And, I don't think you can. Well, what, what, the, the misguided the misguided lesson of productivity is that you want to be you know super productive and efficient. But what what's misguided is is that you have to just be sure you're doing the right job first. Yeah, yeah. The, the the really misplaced energy in the world is doing a excellent job on something that doesn't need Mm. to be done at all Mm. so that higher level executive judgment thing is really crucial because you're just you're then you're squandering all your energy 
in trying to improve something that does not need to be improved or you don't even need to do at all. And so that kind of like stepping back and saying, where do I want to go? What do I want to become? Then we can kind of decide whether this is the right form to take. This is the right job. This is the right step. And so, um, and it's not a career thing. Who would I, That's why I use the word who I want to become. It's more of a character. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's that's because in the end, people aren't going to care whether you are a lawyer with a degree or whether you are a dentist or whether, you know, you, you have letters at the end of your name. This is my other piece of advice is go to some funerals and listen to what people talk about. They talk about how you made other people feel. Hmm. They talk about what your character was, whether whether you stopped to help someone. That's that's the only thing that counts. And so you focus there and then you can see, well, does going to nursing school, will that help me no. get to that no. area? So the art of becoming, being cognizant, conscious, use whatever language you want of, of who, who am I becoming? Does it still kind of remain a mystery? Like, can you even, well, yeah. you, you can even say, even at your age, you're yes. not just putting your thumb down on, this is what I'm becoming. There is no, an element no. of mystery there. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, I've hanging around the billionaires. <laughs> is there is there asking this same question? What am I going to do when I grow up? And having a billion dollars does not answer that question they're, for them. They're asking it too. They're asking it too. Well, it's just unbelievable. Is that they're the same thing? If what am I going to do with my life? Why am I here? Mm -hmm. And that billion dollars actually just made it more complicated. It actually mm -hmm. made it made it more difficult to to figure that out and so um so this is that's why i say you don't arrive at being the only there's no destination it's a direction yeah. you just kind of keep heading in that direction as long as you are living you haven't really arrived yet yeah man that is so good you you do not arrive at being the only it's a lived into direction yeah right. man that's good so good um any advice for handing off wisdom to your children? Well, I think you. Or is it lived? Do you live what, it? What you do, they don't pay attention to what you say. Yeah. So you have to live it out, um, which is really hard. Um, I'm always I'm always amazed at people who have difficulty with their kids and cell phones. It's because you have a problem with cell phones. <laughs> Believe me, very true. If, you know, we, my wife and I, our cell phones are very rarely on us, and so our kids are much more comfortable with that because they can see it's a role model. They understand how that mm -hmm. works. They can see the benefits, and so um, I, I've, I've told this story once before, but um, I, I, I don't swear. I've never sworn. My, my wife doesn't swear. It's just for whatever reason, um, we never had a single conversation about swearing in our household. Not once. Never mentioned it. Never mm -hmm. talked about it in any way. Never pointed it out. Never said anything. None of our kids swear. It was never, I mean, as I said, it was never even talked about or mentioned or uh, pointed out. It was, it was just there. And so that 
was that i mean there was that that was like people modeling over what they saw versus what they were told yeah there's not 10 commandments in the kelly household um right. it's it's a lived reality it's a well, lived experience th there were things like <laughs> there were some things well because we had some episodes where we had to talk about honesty and truthful and that's that was a demand yeah that was made explicit yeah. through things where where there were certain there were certain minimum standards and one of them was like absolute honesty you know truth, truthfulness so so um some things had to be said <laughs> you know and for, for me that was it was one of the lines yeah yeah was, uh was but to your point some things it's not even talked about because no. it wasn't a value it wasn't given it wasn't given its space. It just, you guys found other ways to navigate right. situations in a verbal manner that didn't right. require that. Right. And so I know families were, you know, public service was part of their family tradition and, and their parents were just servants, public servants, service that was serving was their gift. And, and the kids just, they didn't have to be told that they just saw that and they, and they could model that. Yeah. And that was important to their parents, and and they sort of picked up with that stuff without ever being talked about. Yeah, yeah, well said. What advice would you give to your younger self? I know there's 400 plus of them in this book. <laughs> exactly. What are you talking <laughs> about? That's the subtitle here. Wisdom I wish I'd known wish, earlier. Wisdom I wish I'd known earlier. What is is there a is there a uh, you know? There, 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 there's so so many of them, but one of them. It's a very practical thing. It's a very practical thing, which I, you know, I came of age, and I, I kind of like a hippie. I was influenced by the hippies in the sixties and seventies, and um, I'm a maker. I've been making things all my life from a kid. Eight and ten years, I was making stuff, taking things apart and making them, and so I, I was a big do-it-yourselfer. Hmm. And the whole Earth catalog, which I encountered. And then I ended high school was like the, it was like the Eden. It was, it was, it was like the treasure load, the mother load of do it yourself stuff and how to, and here was suddenly information about how to do it. And here was the people who were doing their own lives. And that was really great. And so I was, um, I, I really got far with the do it yourself. I built my house from, from not this house, but a house from scratch, cutting down the wood and the whole thing. So, um, what I didn't know that I wish to known earlier, I would frame it now in this way, which is that we're talking about time being the most precious thing. It is by far the most precious thing that you have and that I have that you have. And if I can convince you to give me some of your time by working on my project, no matter what I pay you, that's a bargain. Hmm. I've, I've gotten you to give some of your precious time to my project, to what I want done. So hiring other people is the best bargain in the world. And you can get people who are much better at what you're doing than what than, than the do-it-yourselfer is. And I was very, very late in understanding that hiring others to, to work with me to get things done was the way to do it from that, whether it's from building a house and hiring other people to 
now we outsource with you know Upwork and others as much as possible. Anything that I'm doing, it's like, can I get someone else? Can we hire someone else to do this? I was slow in understanding that. And I really wished I'd known because like I'm so productive now, yeah. so much more productive and I'm paying people and they're very happy to be paid. And so it's a win-win. And I was just, I was just really slow. And I really thought that, you know, going into business, I had to do it myself and I didn't do much with um, programming because I couldn't program. I didn't realize, Oh, I just hire a programmer. I don't know. <laughs> it was something that I, I wish I'd known earlier. So I would say that is something that changed my life. And it would have been better if I'd done it earlier. No. Wow. Well, um, Kevin, it has been an absolute joy to get to share some of this holy time. Um, and yeah. for you to share it with us, I'm beyond honored uh, and excited to call you friend. You have a seat here at Good, True, and Beautiful anytime you want it. You just say when, and we would love to have you back here again. And uh, for those that, that maybe you guys kind of love what Kevin and I were passing back and forth, Excellent advice for living, perfect Christmas gift, stocking stuffer, yeah. uh, friends, family, coworkers, children. It, it, it's as good as it gets as far as I'm concerned. And I think you'll, you'll hear this resonation that was happening between Kevin and I continue into those pages. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, I do appreciate it. Um, for people who want to find more, um, I probably will post a whole bunch of, I have, I'm going to be 72 and I'll do 72 more this birthday that are not in the book. If you want, nice. some additional. I can't help myself. I'm still <laughs> writing them down. Um, and um, I do have a weekly newsletter that's free that has recommendations every week for those who want to know some cool stuff to read, watch, listen, follow, visit, all that kind of stuff. Um, recommendo. So thank you for your time. Ashton, I really appreciate your, I love your spirit. And we, um, I think we are in the same tribe. So thank you. <laughs> Cheers, my friend, indeed. Yep.